Good evening. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 again this evening. Uh, we were going to have a singing night. This is kind of our normal singing night on the fourth Sunday, but I forgot about that, so I prepared my sermon this week not realizing that, and uh, then I just asked everybody, if it, uh, asked a few guys if it would be okay. They're like, yeah, it's fine. We'll do it next week. So uh, next week we'll have our singing Sunday and uh, look forward to that and uh, in, enjoy that. In Ephesians chapter 4, we've been studying through this, uh, and we've been seeing the concept of unity and the need for our unity, understanding how unity helps to produce maturity and helps us to glorify God with the way that we live our lives. And uh, now we're going to be moving uh, from the section that was primarily about unity to talking more about maturity. We started talking about maturity this morning and how uh, we're supposed to no longer be children. But as we continue, we see Paul starts to describe and help us understand uh, how that maturity comes about and what that maturity actually looks like as we study uh, this section of Ephesians 4. So, to start off, I want to ask a question. How many of you have friends who aren't Christians? Probably everybody, right? Yeah, 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 we do. We have friends that aren't Christians, okay? Um, do you resemble those friends? Probably, right? They probably wouldn't be my friend if I wasn't anything like that person. Uh, maybe there's a few of us who have friends that aren't really like us at all, but um, for the most part, we resemble our friends, uh, in some way, we might act like them, we might talk like them, we might think like them, and we might do the things that they do. Do we realize that there's danger in that? And I'm not trying to tell you this so that you go and tell all your friends, leave me alone, I can't ever talk to you again because I'm a part of this cult that wants me to banish all my friends. No, that's not it at all, but do you realize there's danger in that? Uh, that's very important for us to recognize and to understand. There is a danger in the friendships that we have with those who are not Christians, those who are not seeking after the same overall mission and things that we're seeking after. Uh, and that's obvious. It should be obvious to, to us all. Um, but Paul just lays it out for us to completely understand this. In chapter 4, verse 17, beginning. Let's, let's read verses 17 through 19. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. First thing Paul says here is, I say and testify in the Lord. This is pretty strong statements coming from Paul uh, to, to begin this off with. I say and testify in the Lord. Now, how often do we testify? <laughs> Maybe every now and then to our spouse we'll testify, uh, you know, we might, we might testify in lots of different ways, but typically the word testify is, is indicating something that we would do in a courtroom, right? Uh, I, I test, you, you swear that your testimony will be true. You're testifying uh, that, that the things you witnessed are true, 
And here is Paul saying, now this I say and testify in the Lord. And it's kind of a picture of, I, this, is, this is from the Lord. This is something that I know in the Lord is true. So our ears should pucker up at the, at the hearing of these words. And he goes on to say, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. I want you to just think about that for a second. If you're a Christian living in Ephesus, and Paul is telling you, I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. If you're a Gentile, and you're living in Ephesus, what is everyone around you doing? Living like Gentiles. Living like Ephesians. Uh, just imagine the struggle of fulfilling this command. I urge you, I testify to you in the Lord, you must no longer walk as Americans. You must no longer walk as Alabamians. You must no longer walk as Mobilians. I don't know how you say that. You must no longer live and act and be the way that you are. It's a pretty strong commandment from Paul to say that you can't be like everybody else around you. You can no longer live like they live. You can no longer walk and act and think and resemble the way that they are. I just pointed out, and even myself included, we have friends. We resemble them. We act like them. We think like them sometimes. And yet here is Paul telling us, you can't live like them. If they're not Christians... You can't live and walk and act like them. Now, what exactly is Paul talking about? Is he saying you can't have a hobby with somebody else? That's not what he's saying. Notice his, his list that he goes through. And he talks about, about the things that should be different between us and our non-Christian friends or family, you know, or, or co-workers or those who were around all the time. Uh, that there's supposed to be differences in here. Uh, he gives us an understanding of what's supposed to be different and why. He says, uh, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And he says, in the futility of their minds. Futility. What does that mean? It means that their minds are focused on things that are pointless. Things that are meaningless. Things that are useless. This is what we see, right? We, we, we're around these people all the time. We know what their minds are focused in on. What they care most about is Alabama football, uh, bass fishing, <laughs> uh, golf, uh, a TV series, uh, name it, a million different things. And how valuable are those things really? And that's what their minds and their hearts are focused on. And that's, those things will never give them the satisfaction that they're searching for. Those things are truly empty. Now, it's okay. It's not, not necessarily a bad thing. But it's empty and it's pointless. And Paul is making the point that we must not walk as they do in their futility. We've been studying through Ecclesiastes. Uh, the, the study actually is this Friday night. If you want to jump in, uh, look for the email and, and join us via Zoom and start listening to this. It's really interesting in, in Ecclesiastes. I love that book. 
But one of the things that Solomon finds in Ecclesiastes, one of the things he does is he tries to search and understand the scheme of things. He is the wealthiest man on earth. He's the most powerful man on earth. He has access to things we wouldn't even dream of. And he pursues everything to find out if any of it has any lasting value or point to it. And you know what he finds? It's vanity. It's like, he says, grasping for the wind. I want you to just imagine uh, one of your friends outside doing this. What are you doing? I'm just, I'm, I'm playing golf. I'm playing, I'm, I'm, I'm watching Alabama football. I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Well, no, you're just, you're grabbing for wind. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? You know, this is the way we should see them. And whatever it is that they're pursuing with all their heart, all their soul, all their might, all their strength, they're just out there doing this and finding nothing in it. But so many times, we'll go out there right beside them and we'll start doing it right there with them because it looks like fun and it looks like maybe we can catch some wind in our hands. Hey, they're trying it. I bet I can do it better than them. And I bet I'll find the joy and satisfaction in what they're doing. And Paul says, you can't follow after them. You have to be able to see and perceive that those who are in the world, who are pursuing satisfaction in the things that are in the world, have their minds set on futility, minds set on something that is so pointless. And that should be our perspective. Not that we can't have them as our friends, not that we can't spend time with them watching Alabama football or whatever it is that we want to do, but notice and recognize the differences between one who is focused on the eternal and one who is focused on the futile. When your team loses, uh, when their team loses, it's the end of the world, right? I mean, it, and, and everything becomes about that. Notice that in your friends and those around you. They're chasing satisfaction, fulfillment in these things that are in the world, and they're coming up empty-handed again and again, and their joy is based on those things. Paul says, don't, don't walk like them. He says, they're darkened in their understanding. Another picture for us. They're darkened in their understanding. Uh, people who are not aware of the spiritual realm and who fail to acknowledge the truths about God do not understand the reason for the call of a Christian. They don't understand the purpose that has been given to us, that is inside of us. And so they, they, they're darkened in that understanding. That they see us do things that are detrimental to our physical well-being or detrimental to our uh, wealth or detrimental to all kinds of things that they would never give up and they don't understand why we would do something like that. When something terrible happens to us, hopefully, if we're not putting our trust in this world and in the things that are here, we respond in such a way that makes them go, that don't make any sense whatsoever. Why are they acting that way? Well, they just don't see. They don't understand the concepts that should be inside of Christians. Now, I heard this illustration. I thought it was pretty helpful. 
Imagine walking into a room, there's a party or something, and you see 100 people, and you start going up and talking to all these people, all these friends of yours, and somebody else goes into the same room, and they see you talking to nobody. They just, they can't see. They can't perceive. They can't understand what it is that you're doing or why you're doing it. And this is the nature of the people around you that you're friends with. They don't see. They don't understand. They're darkened in their understanding. The light is not shining on the things that that you're seeing. It's not shining on those things for them so that they could see and understand. A lot of times people will persecute or at least shame Christians because they just don't understand what it is that we're doing. Um, whenever I left the engineering field, I was surprised at how many people were excited about that that I worked around. There's actually a lot of people who are very spiritually minded, and they were excited about it. But I remember uh, one guy came up to me, and he was just like, I, I could tell you do something like this. That's just, that's just the kind of person that you are. You just don't seem like the kind of person that really likes your stuff and likes to, you know, have, have, have lots of money or anything like that. And I was just like, what in the world? <laughs> How did I give that impression? But, you know, the truth is that's not really the truth. I'm not that type of person. You know, I struggle as much as anybody with wanting to have more stuff. But the truth is I care about something else more. And his only way to, to figure me out was to, to assume that I'm just that type of person and that he's not that type of person. And in his belief system, that just made sense to him. You see, it's just dark and understanding. They don't understand the concepts of pursuing God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They don't understand that we see the futility in pursuing the things of this world. They still are pursuing those things. So their understanding is darkened. And then he says they are uh, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. This is an odd picture. It doesn't, doesn't really sound very nice. Have you ever been alienated from anything or anyone? It doesn't sound like a good thing. You know, it, it, you're being left out. Everybody's afraid of being left out now. And here he says they're alienated from the life of God. That sounds like a horrible thing to be alienated from. Nobody would want to be alienated from the life of God. But Why are they alienated from that life? Why aren't they accepted and and given life with God? Is it because they haven't done enough good in their life? Well, they haven't, uh, but that's not the criteria that's needed to, to experience the life. It's more so just that they haven't received it. And mixing this with the darkness illustration, you go to John chapter 3, verse 20. It says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. You understand that these friends of ours hate the light. And and maybe some of them don't necessarily know that there is a light. They haven't seen the light. We haven't shown the light to them. But... If they are alienated from the life of God after receiving an understanding of what the truth is, it's on them. They alienate themselves. And I think a lot of us have a lot of pain and suffering as those we love and those we care most about 
refuse to be joined to God and receive the life that he offers. We would rather them choose God and join us. And it's not that we alienate them uh, and we, we leave them out of everything, but it's that they alienate themselves from a life that's trying to serve God. And, and, and Paul says, don't live like they do. Because you're not alienated from the life of God. Don't alienate yourself from the life of God just to please them and make them feel better. How many times have you felt alienated because you're pursuing God and, and they're not? And so the best way that they can hurt you is to leave you out of stuff and just say, oh, well, you're a Christian now, you don't want to do that, so we'll just leave you out of it. And they try to alienate you. The best thing that could happen is for them to choose God too. And, and for both of us, all of us, to experience the, the joy of life that God has provided to us. You remember back in chapter 2, he talked about this. He said, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, but God has made us alive. He's raised us from the dead and given us life. Don't forget that. God has given you and me life in Jesus. And those around us haven't experienced that life. Recognize that fact. They're alienated from it. They don't know what it's like to have a relationship with God. So they might alienate us, but they're the ones who are really missing out. And don't elevate whatever it is that they're alienating us from. Don't elevate that in importance to the level of having a relationship with God. And it's, it's much worse to be alienated from the life of God than it is to be alienated from the relationships and the friendships of those around us. Don't walk as they do. To satisfy them and to satisfy your desires and your pleasures. He says, they, verse 19, have become callous. And have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Man. Now that's, that's some pretty harsh statements against our friends and our family members. And if you're like me, that does not feel good to think about, to understand that those who I love, those who I enjoy spending time with, those who I enjoy doing things with, the hard truth is they don't care about what God wants them to do anymore. Calluses mean that it's been worn out, right? Remember in basketball, I'd have blisters whenever basketball season would start back up and we start practicing. And then I'd develop a callus and then I would never have that problem again. Um, but, you know, that's callousness. It hurts the first time. And then after a while, the, the sensitivity is gone, and now we just don't care anymore about that. And this is the way Paul says the Gentiles are walking. The Gentiles around the Ephesians are living lives that are completely callous to their sins. They have no clue about the sins that they've committed. We probably have experienced that in our own lives. There's probably sins that we've committed, and then all of a sudden it becomes apparent to us that we have been committing that sin for a long period of time, and we just had no idea because we'd gotten so used to it. 
We just, we're oblivious to our own sins and our own failures. And Paul says that's the case with the Gentiles. They've developed callousness toward the will of God and toward the sinfulness that is inside of them. He says, don't live like them. Don't give yourself up to sensuality. Don't give yourself up to greed. Don't give yourself up to impurity and doing the things that the world does. Don't, don't make yourself callous to those things. Notice how he, he puts it in this way so that they understand if you start practicing that, it's going to continue. Um, Brent used to say, he said his dad told him, but uh, sin is like laced potato chips. You can't just eat one. <laughs> you ever open up a bag? I mean, you have to eat more than one, right? I mean, you got all this, all this space and stuff in there, and you just reach in, and you get your first bite, and you're just ready to roll. Uh, got to eat a few uh, to make sure you're using the bag before it goes stale, because you're probably not going to remember it's there, and it'll go stale. But you, you eat more than one. You just keep going, and that's the way sin is. Uh, it just keeps coming, and you keep wanting to do more and more and more whenever you give yourself over to it. He says, don't live like them. Then he says a very strong statement. That is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. As we're, as we're listing and, and thinking about how the Gentiles walk all around us. <laughs> and we're thinking about how we've probably fallen into some of the sins of those who we hang around, those who are not Christians, and they, they pull at us sometimes, and maybe we've given in some. And, and we start thinking about the futility of their focus and uh, their darkened understanding and how they've alienated themselves. We start thinking about all these things. And and hopefully we start understanding if we've done that, if we've, we've, we've started down that path. That's not the way we're supposed to be. That's not the lifestyle that gives glory to God. We have a purpose. We're not here to, to pursue futility. We're not here to pursue the things that, that pass away, the things that are of no value. We're not here to grasp for a wind. We're here to grasp for the treasure that God promises to us that is eternal in nature and that we get to enjoy forever. We're not grasping something empty. Don't think about it that way. Our purpose is found in the things that God has given us to do here on this earth. And this should be our heart's desire to fulfill that purpose and to find the eternal reward waiting for us. Brethren, God has promised a reward for those who seek him and serve him. And God does not fail to deliver his promises. Not only that, we have access. We have access to the mind of God in scriptures. We don't need darkened, to live in darkened understanding anymore. We have more access to scriptures than any generations have. And we have the ability to understand the mind of God. If we would just take the time to seek that understanding. 
Those around us don't understand, not because they can't understand if they really devoted themselves to it, but mainly because they don't care to understand. They're not willing to put in the time and the effort to study, to learn the things of God, to humbly submit to the things of God. But we should not be like that. We should be focused on the Word. We should be saying in our minds, give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer me as I go through this life. Because without it, I am lost in my understanding. I don't see the things that God has given me that are right here in front of me, available to me. All the spiritual blessings of God are revealed to us as we understand more about Scripture. And those things need to be on our mind continually. We also are not alienated. We have a relationship with God. He is our Father. We are His children. And He gives us a new and tender heart. That's what we're going to be studying about next Sunday. That's the promise that He makes to us in Ezekiel. He gives us a new and tender heart so that we can be affected by our sin, not callous to our sin, and so that we can be transformed from the inside out to be totally new and different people. Verse 22, he says, uh, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. You know, you might be hearing all this and thinking, don't talk about my friends that way. You know, uh, don't talk about them as though they're ignorant. They're not ignorant. They're smart, you know, and they understand a lot. Well, I know that this sounds harsh and judgmental. As Paul says all this, he testifies that this is the way it is. Everybody who's not in here is gone. They don't understand. They don't see. They don't. They don't have what you have, what we have. And even though it sounds harsh, we know that it's true because we made the confession when we became obedient to the truth. We said, I am a horrible sinner who is seeking my own will, my own ways, my own sins, and I'm unable to save myself. I'm unworthy of of the life in heaven with God. And we submitted ourselves to God and relied on him for forgiveness. If our friends haven't done that, why would we say that they're okay any more than we were okay? We weren't okay, and they're not okay. And and he points out here, you need to put off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt, through deceitful desires. He's he's bringing to our mind the fact that we were corrupted like them before. And he says, this was all due to your desires that deceived you. And he's saying, put off that old way. Those old desires come in and they keep trying to deceive us and make us think, yeah, joy is found in grabbing for that and grabbing for this. You don't need to know what scriptures say. You've got it good enough, right? That's what what those old desires are deceiving us into thinking. And maybe they start deceiving us into thinking, God's not going to save you. God's not going to give you what he promises. You know, those kind of thoughts can come into our mind, and they should not be coming into our mind. And then they'll, they'll tell us, oh, you can do this sin, and you'll be okay. God will forgive you, and it's just one sin. It's no big deal. There's all kinds of deceptive thinking that goes into this. 
And Paul says, get it out of your system. Get it away. Don't get it out of your system by doing it. Get it away. Don't think, uh, well, I pursued sin before, but maybe I was just pursuing it the wrong way. Maybe it'll give me the fulfillment I need if I just do it a different way or if I just try a little bit harder. No, get rid of it. Tell yourself the truth. This earth will never provide the fulfillment and the satisfaction that God is promising for eternity. It will never give it to us. We can go ahead and let that thought go. If I'm pursuing sin, if I'm pursuing a life without God, then I just might as well go ahead and tell myself the truth. I am an idiot. I'm an idiot. Because these things are true, and I'm letting them go to pursue things that are false, that are empty. Confess that I'm an idiot and make a change. He says you need to be renewed in the spirits of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old way of thinking. The way of thinking is uh, that, that I can have sin and God at the same time. No. Sin broke us. Jesus healed us. We need Jesus. We do not need sin. Renew your minds to serve God faithfully. And don't just think, I'm going to go to church. That's, that's going to be a renewed mind. No, that's not, that's not it. Don't just think, I'm going to repent of a couple sins. That's not it. Think, I need a greater desire in my heart to serve other people. And I need a greater desire in my heart to study the word of God and to know God. This world tends to warp our thinking. And we have to bend it back to where it's supposed to be. That's what the word is for. That's what we are for, to help each other get back on the right track. There's a lot of people who aren't here, who, who come occasionally, and they're missing out, and now they've been missing for weeks, or they've been missing for months, and they don't really have a reason other than they just have been distracted by their influences. Reach out to them. Let them know you miss them. Try to bend them back to the way that they're supposed to go in love and gentleness. And if we ourselves, coming to church services, have been warped by the thinking of this world, by the influence of our friends, we have to get back to what we're supposed to be. We have to adjust our habits. We have to say, I'd rather read my Bible than watch the filth that I see on TV every night. We have to start developing the, the habits that will renew our mind and focus us in because those desires are deceitful and we recognize that and we want to get rid of them. Renewing your mind, renewing your heart, that's where it all starts. That's what God wants. The renewed behavior comes afterward. Uh, but we renewed, uh, in some ways, we can renew some activities in our behavior and our lifestyle, get rid of things that are bad influences, set roadblocks up to prevent us from sinning, and that will help us to focus our hearts and our minds on the things of God.
And that's what Paul is trying to encourage Christians to do so that they can be more mature, so that they can be shining as lights to God's glory in, in a world full of darkness. I know it's hard uh, to live in a world full of darkness. We feel the pull, the influence more than ever. TV has mastered uh, influencing us. And the crazy thing is, we have absolutely no influence on it. It just, it just pours information in our minds, and we don't have any impact on it whatsoever. Facebook, in a lot of ways, does the same thing. Social media, uh, all these different avenues are just filling us with information, and most of it's just focused on futile things that are darkened, alienated from God, and callous to sin. We've got to get it out and get what's good in. I hope that uh, this helps you as it helps me to maybe renew our desires to uh, be, be devoted to the Lord. Like I said, I'm not telling you uh, lose all your friends, but I'm telling you if there's influential friends that are pulling you away from the Lord, you might consider taking a break from those friends for a little while. Uh, you might consider talking to them and trying to help them understand why you're going to be different than them. And you might try to take a stand to do the things that God has wanted you and called you to do in your life. It may be uncomfortable at times, but it'll be worth it. Your mission is to glorify God. And he promises to, to save you from all these horrible sins and things that you've done and bring you to be at home with him in heaven when this life is over, if that's your focus, if that's your heart. If there's any way we can help you, if you want to study together, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I, can, I can be pretty flexible with time, and we can study together and talk about this more. If you know what you need to do and, and you're ready to do it, we're here for you, and we can help you in any way. Uh, please come as we stand and as we sing.